This is the TJ Show podcast. Today's a holiday. I didn't know about it, but Kenny's celebrating Jabo. Another one? It's Cliche Day. Did you know uh, about Cliche Day? No, I was hoping it was Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. It's my favorite day. No, no. This is the day where we celebrate the cliches we all use. Okay. And Kenny hit the streets to run some of these cliches by people. Do you ever wonder what the origins are of these cliches that we say every day? I've never given that much thought. Happy Cliche Day. Happy Cliche Day. Yeah, it's one of those weird holidays. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I never heard of it until today either. I think she's nervous. <laughs> I would she be is. too. She's like, Kenny. what is going on? Cliche day. She was mouthing to me like, I don't know what's what you're talking about. <laughs> she didn't want to say it out loud into the microphone, so she mouthed it to me, and I tried to reassure that I didn't even know what I was talking about. Right. But you know the cliche, don't put all your eggs in one basket? I do know that, yes. Do you have any idea where that comes from? Like where it started? Mm, probably our grandparents, because my grandparents always used to tell me that. Yeah. She always used to tell me that. Don't put your eggs all in one basket. I'm like, okay. And then I kind of <laughs> figured out what she was talking about. So, right. yeah. Like the origins, <laughs> like a wild guess of where what it could be all about. No, not really. Yeah, we never really think about where these yeah, came from. Well, we we looked it. it up. I mean. Tis the season, right? To right. figure out where these cliches came from. So, Don't Put All Your Eggs in One Basket apparently goes back to an old Don Quixote book from 1605. The quote is, it is the part of a wise man to keep himself today for tomorrow and not venture all his eggs in one basket. In other words, don't risk everything on one venture, plan, idea, product, or person and risk losing everything, which also sounds like an even older book uh, called Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Which I've, is in the Bible. I heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Right. <laughs> Just like they say, don't bite off more than you can chew. It's another cliche. Yeah. So, where I, did that one come from? I, I, that's, that's, I don't even know either. <laughs> it's <laughs> another great question. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Do you know where that came from? No, but I think about Guess. that every time I take a massive bite out of something. And I'm like, mm, took too much. And what could happen? I could choke. Okay, that's good. What do you think? Any? Do you know the origin of this one? No, other than what Jabo said, that makes the most yeah. sense to me. Yeah, I would think. Uh, yeah, I would think choke. Mm-hmm. So the actual origin is, it's an allusion to taking a mouthful of food that is too large to handle comfortably. While cautions against taking on more than you can handle appear in medieval sources, the metaphor itself dates back to about 1870. Wow, it took a while to get to that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought they'd figure that out back in the old 1300s. <laughs> I was wondering, have you ever heard the cliche "get your ducks in a row"? Yes. What does that mean? Um, get organized and do what needs to be done. Do you have any idea where that comes from? Uh, I think I do. Yeah, what's your best guess? ducks follow their mother when they uh, lead the ducklings to where they need to go, and they typically do that in a row. I've literally watched ducks swim in a single mile line, so... No, there's another guy. So that's probably where that's it came from. That's probably where that came from, yeah. They all stay in the same pond. Do you know the cliché... Get your ducks in a row. I don't know where the expression, I know what the expression means, but I don't know where it comes from. If you had to guess. Decoys, hunters. Yeah, see, that's what I would say. For some reason, I always think of hunters when I think of ducks in a row. Mm, I can see that. This one's confusing because there's a lot of different origins for this one. I don't know which one came first. Real ducklings walk in a line behind their parents, so that is one. Uh, another phrase comes from the game of pool, when a number of balls called sitting ducks line up neatly near the pockets and can be tapped in one after another. And then the other one is about bowling pins. 
because bowling pins used to be in the shape of like ducks. They were really thin on the top and okay. fatter on the bottom. And so getting your ducks in a row before they were automatic uh, pin, pin setters. setters. Okay. Somebody would actually have to do it. So they would call it getting your ducks in a row uh, to prepare for the next bowl. But that's not a very clear answer. It's not. I want, There's so many options. I want clarity. I was wondering, you know the cliche, think outside the box? I do. Do you have any idea where that came from? No clue. Could you give me a guess? Like what would be a wild oh, guess? Man, I don't even know. It's probably something from like the Middle Ages maybe or like the Roman Empire or something like that. Don't think this too small. Think outside the box. Don't think small. Where do you think that came from? I don't know. <laughs> Someone had to say it first. I don't know. That's a fact. I don't know who had to say it first. Do you have any guess of what it could be? Nah. Any guesses, Jabo? Oh, my guess is really morbid. Go ahead. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about a mortician getting a body ready for a coffin and looking at it and saying, how can we make the celebration bigger than just a box? Okay. That's hmm. interesting. I always think like somebody was presenting some sort of a plan, like it was a manual inside the box. And someone says, no, no, we want to go outside the manual. Yeah. That's the visual that comes to mind. Well, it turns out the origin is it derived from a famous puzzle created by an early 20th century British mathematician named Henry. The puzzle asked one to connect nine dots on a three by three grid using four straight lines without a pencil leaving the page. That sounds like a really bad origin story. Yeah, it does. And boring. I like the more I like the one you said yeah. more. Yeah. It's really lame. How about cats got your tongue? Yeah, that's another good one. I have no no idea. It's funny because like we have all these sayings in the English language, right? And how many people know where that kind of stuff comes from? Like, was there a literal cat? Possibly. I got two cats. They've never tried to grab my tongue or nothing, so. What about the cliche, cat got your tongue? Uh, well, I know what that means, but I don't know the origin of it. Yeah. What about your little kitty cat? Would it ever get your tongue? <laughs> I don't think he would go for it. Yeah, that'd be a really bold cat. And yes, they're bold, but they're that's, very bold. that's a little too bold. I have no clue, TJ. I mean, like, I guess you talk to your cat, Apollo. Yes. And you talk back. Like, does he ever get tired of you talking back to him and then, like, shut up? Like, he swipes at you or something <laughs> like that? I don't know. No, he just stops responding. So the origin of Cat Got Your Tongue, on English sailing ships, anyone entrusted with a secret by a higher officer would be threatened with the cat. Oh. Uh, the cat o nine tails whip for telling. Thus saying... Has the cat got your tongue? Oh, so it's referring to a whip. Yeah. It's like a punishment no, mm -hmm. for I'll stay speaking away from up. That. I, I had don't like no punishments. idea. Have you ever heard the cliche, wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Yeah. What does that mean? In a bad mood. Do you know where that comes from? Uh, just rich people getting up on the wrong side of the bed. Things aren't going right. No. Happy cliche day. Happy cliche day. Why just rich people? Wait, just rich people. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go to Wikipedia and look all this up now. Because, right? Yeah, now you got me, my interest peaked. So. Yeah, me too. That, that's why we're reading these. Well, it turns out, wrong side of the bed. Any guesses? No. No, I got nothing. I want to know, though. What is it? What's so the origin? Waking up on the wrong side of the bed is thought to come from ancient Rome. See, some of this stuff, the records were not kept properly. Okay. They didn't keep the books on the cliches. Yeah. But the thought is it came from Romans who were very careful always to get up on the correct side of the bed to ensure that good luck would follow them through their days. So it was a superstition. Oh. Hmm. According Which to side this. of the bed gave you good luck, did they say? In I that don't know. story? I guess it's subjective. Are Man. you a lefty or are you a righty? <laughs> I, I guess. Well, there it is. It's uh, cliche day. I feel let down a little bit. Yeah, my mom used to use this cliche. She still uses it. Um, you may have heard it. It's uh, don't burn the candle at both ends. Mm. I hated it so much growing up because I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> As an adult, a very tired adult, I know exactly what that means. But I looked up the origin and it was coined by an American poet, 
uh, Edna from her poem from 1920, The First Fig. It says, my candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night. But ah, my foes and oh, my friends, it gives a lovely light. Look at that. So there you go. I never knew that either. See, they, these things have to start somewhere. We should start one. and It'll catch on in about 200 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> CJ Bo, this is why I don't watch TV. What are you talking about, TJ? You're all worried. You're um, almost caught up on The Golden Bachelor, which right? I will say, if I was going to watch a TV show, and I did plan on watching this show, and I still may watch this show, because I'm intrigued by a 70-plus-year-old man competing. That's the only reason why I'm watching it. To find a love. I love senior citizens. Yep. I love what they do for our communities. I love what they've done. I mean, if it wasn't for senior citizens, I wouldn't be here. Neither would you. That's true. So the least we can do is have a bachelor about a senior citizen looking for love. And he seems like a very nice guy, right? Yeah, he seems really nice. He seems and really sweet. You're almost completely caught up. But last night there was a new episode and I heard Kenny. He started talking about it and you were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He, I mean, offended he that he would dare. He running his mouth. Last week he did the same thing and then he gave me a spoiler. Like, he spoiled it for me last week. Did you enjoy it when you watched it or not as much as you would have? I mean, I enjoyed it, but I knew it was coming. So I was holding my breath the entire time waiting for the other shoe to drop. Kenny, can't you wait for everyone to see the show? I feel really bad mm. about what I said. It was like word vomit. And I have had things spoiled for me, so I know your pain, Jabo, which is why I feel that pain just as much. I'm sorry. I promise I will it. not spoil anything about last night's episode. Well, what uh, what are you feeling so far? Is it living up to the hype that we all felt early on? Because I still have not watched an episode. I think it is. I think it's it's living up to the hype. I still think it's sweet that senior citizens are trying to find love later on in life. There's hope. You know, if you're a senior citizen, you're like, where's my love? It's there. You have to look for it. But it's also a little scandalous. Like, there's some things I don't want to see. Scandalous? Yeah, like, there's some drama in the house. What and, kind of drama could then, there be? <laughs> I mean, the, the kind of drama you think you would be past at that age. Yeah. Isn't you that so I mean? sad? You see, like, you ever notice... People in your family, they start to act immaturely and they're like a thousand years older than you. Yes. And you go, wait a minute, what the heck's going on there? Like, it's, it's did as you if miss? aging backwards. Yes. Yes. It's crazy. It, and so this is another reminder of yes. that? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, you do see, I mean, the get off my lawn, I think, was originally said by an old cranky man. <laughs> Right? Screaming at kids, get off my lawn. Yeah. There was, that was the origin story. Yes, producer Ken. I think what j referring to is there are some Bachelor Nation truths that will remain Bachelor Nation truths, whether it's regular Bachelor or Golden Bachelor. Mm. And isn't that true of people, too? Yes. You could think you're going into like a really nice people organization, yeah. and then you see that people are people everywhere you go. Exactly. Uh-huh. You, know, you see that a lot like uh, in churches, right? You think like, oh, mm-hmm. you go to church and you're going to find the nicest people on Every- earth. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then you realize, oh, these are people too. We're all people. We're all, <laughs> all, all, we all got issues to work yeah, out. Yeah, everyone's got it. And so all we can do is not try to fix everyone else, but we start working on ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, at least I've found that that seems to be the thing that brings me the most peace when dealing with people problems. Right. It's not so much about how am I going to fix them, but more about, all right, let me get to work on me. Yeah, because you can't fix somebody else, right? right? Well, we're responsible for ourselves. And so, yeah, I'm the same way. I try to fix myself. It took me a long time to learn that and a lot of headaches before I yeah, learned that. totally. No, I mean, it's it's a stumbly path until yes. we start to figure that out. And then it's still a stumbly path. Mm-hmm. The problem is, how do we communicate that to a cranky senior citizen? No, no. <laughs> hey, you need to, don't you tell, tell me, me what to <laughs> do. Yeah. Was it for me? There'd be no yo. <laughs> oh, I know, Mrs. <laughs> This is the TJ Show. Happy Friday. This is the TJ Show. 
you see a headline like this, hard not to wonder, like, what else is fake all around us? <laughs> HBO and Max CEO and chairman Casey Bloys apologized to TV critics yesterday for using fake Twitter accounts to respond to negative reviews of HBO series. You often wonder, like, are these accounts real? Are these trolls? Where, Burner where, accounts. Yeah, what's the origin of these tweets that mm-hmm. are attacking whatever it may be? It could be politicians, could be public figures of any kind, could be local Facebook communities. You know, you, who knows? And uh, I see this story, and this guy, which I admire him for at least admitting this, he addressed a room full of critics saying, for those of you who know me, you know that I'm a programming executive who's very, very passionate about the shows that we decide to do and the people who do them and the people who work on them. I want our shows to be great. I want people to love them. I want all of you to love them. It's very important to me what you all think of the shows. So when you think in that mindset and then you think about 2020 and 2021, he explains he was at home, working from home, spending an unhealthy amount of time scrolling through Twitter. And he said he came up with a very, very dumb idea to vent my frustration. I guess he started creating some fake accounts. I mean, you would never think that the CEO of a company as big as HBO or Max... He had time on his hands. ...that they would do this, right? And he regrets it. He said now when he takes issue with something in a review from a critic, he actually DMs them directly and engages with them one-on-one. And he says that a lot of them are gracious enough to engage back and forth. It's interesting. You wouldn't think that they care that much especially when it comes to creating art, you would think they would just be like, well, judge it and look at it and, you know, and then let's move on to the next piece. Create and release. But not everybody does that. Like even artists, the rapper 50 Cent. Yeah. Like I'm reading his book right now, Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. And I'm towards the end of it. And he said that he purposely created beef between the show that he was executive producer for Power against Empire. Like, he created purposeful beef because he wanted them to be talked about and to be highlighted. It's a tale as old as time, and it's easier than ever to create beef. Yeah, he had somebody on his payroll specifically to do that. Yeah. So, like, this has been happening with shows, with music. He even did it with uh, Kanye. Kanye was dropping his graduation album, and 50 Cent's album was set to drop the week before. And so 50 got with Kanye, and he was like, hey, let's create some beef. Let's drop our albums on the same day. And it worked. It actually helped their sales. Yeah, of course. Yeah, controversy. You ever hear, uh, all news is good news? Yes. (laughs) I mean, apparently that works. And I just think it's interesting to see this. And and I do want to be clear. I admire this guy for admitting it and not trying to hide it. Mm -hmm. And also just coming clean and saying it was wrong. People make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes in my life not being completely above board. And I don't want to live that way anymore. And so thank God by his grace, I can be like, you know what? No, I want to be as honest as I can. And I, I need help with that every single day. Can I be honest? Sometimes I read the comment sections on some posts and I play with the idea of like, I just create a burner account. <laughs> just go ham on people. But I'm like, what is the point of that? It's so much energy. And then I have to go back eventually and apologize because I know that I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. And so we, we all want that peace yeah. that we're looking for. And I've found it by not being a deceiver. You know, and there's so much deception around us and we never really know where criticism is coming from. Also, this could happen at your job, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be on Twitter and public. Someone can say something about one person and they leave a couple details out. Next thing you know, this whole story about you has been made up. And if we're just walking 
and being honest and like serving one another and being kind to one another, that stuff just works itself out. Those people just fall away. Right. I agree. And hopefully this stuff starts happening less and less. And, you know, think what you want about Elon Musk, right? I know a very controversial figure, but he talks about these trolls and how important it is to get rid of trolling on the internet. And I agree with that. I happen to think yeah. that trolling has to be minimized because it causes problems that would otherwise never exist. It does. It fuels a lot of arguments and a lot of just lies and deception. And I would be okay with no trolls. Our camera guy, Josh, is a pretty new parent. He has an adorable girl named Mia. She's one year old. And you're seeing all the stuff that comes with being a parent. And you like a lot of it. I do. I love it. You're a great dad. Josh is so good with kids. And so is his wife, Anne. Like, we've had them over for dinner, and the kids just gravitate towards them. That's exactly what I was going to say. We, were, we had a show dinner a few weeks ago, yep. and Josh was on the floor reading books to TJ's kids, and it was just beautiful. I was like, oh, look at Josh. He's babysitting. That's awesome for TJ. Yeah, yeah. I like kids a whole lot more than grown adults. So. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so is that because of your teacher background? That you know how to like communicate with kids? I think that's part of why I went into teaching. It's just something I always liked to talk with kids. Mm. They didn't make me feel uncomfortable. And then the teaching helped. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel very comfortable in front of a bunch of kids. I think that's beautiful, Josh, because I, on the other hand, the first baby I ever held in my life was my first daughter, Charlie, and I was afraid to hold her. I was peer pressured by the nurses wow. to pick her up because I thought, I was like, well, what if I drop her? I mean, does anyone think about that? I've never held a baby before. Why are you trusting me? I know it's my baby, but... I don't know how to hold a baby. And I had to tell him right there. I don't know what to do. Like, you just think I'm supposed to you know how. You had to learn, TJ. Yes. That's it. You had to learn. Now I feel very confident in it, but I'm, I'm impressed with Josh. But you're starting to see the comparison game start to rear its ugly head. Yeah, there's an mm. ugly side to this whole thing. And it's about other parents oh. and how other parents are comparing their kid to your kid. And you just stumbled across one of these instances. And I'm happy that you're willing to share this because this is the kind of stuff that goes on in the underbelly of parenting. I don't have kids. I would have never known. No. Please fill me in. A friend of mine from way before we had kids just texts me out of the blue and asks me these questions. When did your daughter start crawling. When did your daughter start sleeping what? through the night? And so at first I thought, oh, he just doesn't know. He wants some point of reference. But no, it's just whenever his kid reaches these milestones, he wants to brag and he's hoping that his kid reached the milestones before my kid did. Now, Josh, oh, let, come on, you really? know, I love you. Do you think you're getting a little defensive? This is here? dumb. No, no. Do you think that is dumb? No, but hold on. How do you know that he's not trying to just do research for his own kid and compare in a positive way? Yeah. Do you know for sure that he's not doing that? I do, and here's how I know. So any time that my kid, quote, beat his kid at a milestone, right. that's the end of the conversation. Oh. Anytime his kid, quote, beat my kid at a milestone, he gives me some advice. It, he gives me some advice on what to do. Well, maybe it's because you did this instead of this. Do you think he's responding that way because you have at one point given him advice? I don't give people advice unless they ask for it. Maybe sometimes. But I, I find <laughs> I could see you're very perturbed and you're I'm annoyed. perturbed, yes. Do you think you can just be kind to him and, and engage and then eventually people like this just fall away? Like, would it be the worst thing if somebody like this just fell away? Every time I start getting there, 
my phone goes off again. So <laughs> I'm, he knows. I'm There's hoping. a sensory going off. <laughs> yeah. See, this is one of the things in parenting you don't think you have to deal with. It's managing other people and dealing with other people and being judged or criticized. That's a whole different part. And I, I, I think you're pretty good at shaking criticism, Josh. Mm-hmm. So why is this? Is it because it's your daughter that it just hits you a little deeper? Yeah, I think it's a different thing. I, I've never had a kid before. And now that I have a kid, it's weird how you feel towards your kid and you know I, I've just gotten it off of being fine with myself but now I gotta be fine with people talking about my kid and that's a whole nother ball game we put the question out there is this happening to you and Rebecca reached out to us she slid into our DMs we say you can do this all the time she followed us at TJ Podcast she clicked that little audio button in our DMs and she shared a story of her own so a time someone compared their child's milestones with mine was with potty training. We tried to potty train my daughter at 20 months old because she was showing interest herself. See, anytime there's any hint of potty training comparison, Mm. my wife has a great line. She goes, eh, they could stay in diapers as long as they want. And every kid has gotten out of diapers. So it worked. And maybe they're in it for a little longer than, like, what's the rush? Do you need to do you need to rush kids out of diapers? The only rush I would have as a parent is that I don't want to buy any more diapers well, yeah. and I don't want to I don't want to wipe any more booties. No, I'm with you. But I'd rather do that than have accidents, but that's, that's just true. the way we parent and maybe yeah. maybe you judge that. Oh, I'm not judging him. Are you sure? Not my kid. What's up? Not my problem. Fight? No, don't want to fight you. <laughs> but a few days in, she got sick. Um, so we stopped, and when we saw our friend, I had mentioned that we were going to try again shortly after her birthday when she turned two, and the friend goes, well, both of my kids were potty trained before they turned two. Ooh, said Come on. both of my kids. Mm-hmm. And then that creates mom guilt, and it doesn't help. It's not helpful. None of this is healthy, right, Jayma? No. And then later, she added something about parents being committed to what's the best for their child, mm. and... I just have to laugh and be like, okay, because you know what? I've been in the field of child development for 15 years and I know my kid, so it's fine. Yeah, you're doing a great job, Rebecca. You, you keep doing what you're doing. She was super gracious because she just laughed because I would have knocked her out. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. I'd have been like, what? This, this is not the stuff we need to be knocking people out I for. I know, I'm now, just saying that. Have grace with me. Maybe I'll work it, it'll work itself out. Some could argue there are subjects that, but even those, I don't know if you should be knocking people yeah, out for. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to choose violence, but that's not cool. I do have a question for Josh. Yeah. When your friend does the comparison thing, Josh, mm-hmm. you can, when he compares y'all's babies, does it make you look at your child like she's a failure? Uh, no, no. It, it makes me feel like a failure myself as the parent. Like if my child had different parents, they would be further along than where they are now. Makes me like feel like. Sh- like you fall short. Right, right. Man. You're a competitor, right? You, yeah. You're an athlete. Mm-hmm. You're a guy who knows how to flip in midair. Like he can be standing <laughs> mm-hmm. and then flip himself backwards. You know, this is just stuff getting in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This absolutely. is not the truth. It it's in my head. It doesn't represent who you are as a parent. It's his opinion, and he's trying to look cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and besides, you were appointed to be your daughter's father. Right. So if it could be somebody else, if somebody else could do a better job, then somebody else would have had her as a daughter. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very complex. Well, Josh, I thank you for sharing that. And thank you, Rebecca, for getting involved. Anytime you ever want to get involved, you know the number. It's 302-303-1151. Put that in your phone. Even if you don't need it right now, something else will come up and you'll want to join in. Or you can find us on Instagram at TJ Podcast. You ever have a conversation with a friend and something just clicks in your head and you go, oh my goodness, I never really thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's yes. so helpful and it kind of changes the way you move in life. And the way you view things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was catching up with a friend of mine, and 
He's a piano player. He's been playing for many years, and I have an interest in the piano. I have uh, two grandpas who both play instruments and are very musical, and music goes all throughout my family. And I just, I hated it when I was a kid. It was so boring to me. All I wanted to do was play video games, and I would say, I don't want to take lessons, I don't want to practice. And I eventually just, I guess you fail out of music, right? Mm-hmm. If you it just if you refuse to do it, even as a little kid, I think that was probably my first failure in a class because I just didn't want to do it. I, I really was impatient. I didn't want to learn. I didn't care about it. Oh, I just I wanted to it. listen to music. Yeah. And now all these years later, I've obviously changed a lot on that front. I've grown this deep appreciation and I want to learn an instru- instrument because there's so many benefits to it, even from a health standpoint, the way our mind works when we're learning an instrument, there's something in us. It's, it keeps us sharper. Mm. Um, and if you need any evidence for that, my grandfather, he's 93 years old. He still plays the saxophone. He's super sharp. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying it's definitely because of the saxophone, but he happens to play saxophone. He's 93 and he's one of the smartest guys and one of the most with it guys that I know still. So interesting. You see all these reports saying that's what happens. And then look, there's there my grandpa. Go. There's a proof. And he's doing it. So I started taking the piano about three or four years ago. And I was catching up with this friend of mine who plays the piano. And I was like, it's just so hard to get on it. And it's so frustrating because there's always this next level that you want to achieve whenever you're studying anything new. Right. But particularly with music, it's just so deep and there's so much to it. And what he said was the reason why most adults quit when they start an instrument late in life is because they're embarrassed to fail in front of other adults. And I was like, man, that is so good. Oh, man. Because I think about some of these lessons I have. I do lessons over Zoom with my teacher. Okay. And I actually get self-conscious when I'm playing the lessons for him. And I wind up messing it up sometimes, even when I get it right on my own and I have that freedom. The reason why it finally clicked is I'm embarrassed. Because I'm like, this guy is so good at what he does. He's a pro. He's been doing it forever. And I don't want to look like an idiot in front of him. And that's my own pride that's welling up. And so since this discussion, I've been like, all right, whatever. I'm going to mess up in these lessons. I'm not going to be able to play that. Fine. It's okay. This is what he's doing. He's getting paid to teach me. And it freed me up to like really mm-hmm. not worry about that. It was this worry, I think, that was causing so much of my frustration. And the thing is, it's expected for you to mess up because you are the student and he is the teacher, and yet you were still feeling embarrassed. Yeah, and do you ever get embarrassed in your adulthood, and do you even go through great lengths to avoid being embarrassed? I mean, can, come to mind? can I be transparent? Yeah. Like 100%? Sure. I mean, even... In- as we hang out as friends, like Heather's super funny, like you're really good with your words. Kenny's really funny. Josh articulates really great. And sometimes I trip on myself and my words because I'm like, ah, oh, do I sound dumb? Are they going to get what I'm saying? So that's in any space. There's so much fear as adults that like kids don't have. And you see these stories about these amazing prodigies with instruments. If yes. you want to just talk about that. And they're so free. They're not worried about what other people yeah. are thinking. And it it opens up this creativity and this ability to get to the next step so much easier. We're holding ourselves back. Man, you, it, just, you just unlock I'm, something in me. Right. And so I'm just continuing to have at it. I'm a mediocre piano player right now, but I'm insistent on continuing. Even if I just touch the keys for five minutes a day, I'm forcing myself to do it because I know in 10 years, it's going to be a different story if I yeah. keep doing it every day now. Yes, producer Kenny. TJ, you got to get over looking like an idiot in front of other people. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> I am so free. That's true. Kenny is free, Matt. Keep at that instrument. Keep at whatever it is that you're trying to do because it will be worth it. You just got to get past what all these other adults think. That's right. 
This is the TJ Show. Our news, it's a little different around here. Our producer, Kenny, he reads through every story he can find, and then he brings us the most interesting ones. Kenny, what is happening in the world on this Friday? The NBA is doing something new this season that gives every team another shot at a trophy. The new NBA in-season tournament starts tonight after years of planning. Love it. Here's how it's going to work. It's very much modeled after the World Cup soccer tournament. So the Eastern and Western conferences will be split into six groups of five teams. That takes place December 5th and 6th with the semifinals on December 7th and the championship in Las Vegas on December 9th. I do really appreciate Hmm. that the NBA has been in business for many, many years. Yes, indeed. And it's so easy to just lean on the way things have always been done. And the fact that they're willing to risk trying something new is really cool. It's not boring. Right. It's going to add a lot of excitement. These knockout tournaments are really fun to watch. Winner goes on, loser goes home. Totally. If you're not changing with the times, you're pretty much writing your death sentence. You'll stay behind. You could have yeah. rhymed right there. <laughs> not changing with time, just staying behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if, if you talk to my husband, Archie, he believes that the NBA has always been in the forefront of like innovation and changing yeah. things up. Right. And guess and what? Other they, leagues have then followed. They make a lot of money. Yeah, they mm-hmm. do. By taking risks and doing something that's different mm-hmm. than what everyone else is doing. I mean, look at baseball. Yeah. They even have to start changing things up, and they're trying. They well, just changed the pitch clock yeah. to speed up the game. Right. Yeah. There's a cash incentive for the players, uh, $500,000 per player for the winning team. And uh, not only that, they'll take home the NBA Cup. Love it. That's what when does it start? It. Tonight. Oh, okay, cool. All Great. Right. There's a bunch of games tonight. Yeah, right. if you ever have the opportunity to be a part of a company that wants to innovate and be the trailblazers, it's a fun place to be. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. The other way, horrible. <laughs> Boring. Stick in the mud. Lethargic. Dread going to bed at night got to wake up the next day for it. <laughs> yeah. What else you got, Kenny? Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is going international with his first stop in Buenos Aires, Argentina for three dates next week, November 9th through the 11th. And Variety is reporting that there are fans with general admission tickets that have been camping out in front of the stadium for months for a shot to be close to the stage. Is it worth it? These people don't have jobs? Like, what's going on? Months? (laughs) It's a good question. One 21-year-old Swifty said, We've been in this tent for five months. I usually tell my dad I'm at the park drinking mate, which is a popular Argentinian caffeinated beverage, or visiting with somebody who lives near the stadium. According to Pitchfork, who's also reporting on this, there's an organized group of fans who have set up four tents, and they take turns occupying them in a carefully planned rotation. There are two lead organizers who keep track of all of this. There's about 60 Swifties per tent with a spreadsheet. There's a ranking system. Mm. So the longer you spend in the tent, the higher ranked you are. And I assume that means you'll get closer to the stage. You'll be let in first. By the way, I just think, and I could be totally wrong about this. I feel like if someone wrote Taylor Swift a letter and said, I'm about to camp out for five months to be closer to you, she'd probably be like, hey, you know what? Don't bother. Like, yeah. let, let, let's like get a moment to high five or something. Right. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe it is that hard. But five months? <laughs> yeah. What? Some have gone even longer. That's just one person that they interviewed. And you're required to sleep over in the tent at least one night a month Ugh. to stay on the spreadsheet. So these Swifties have tickets, but it's general admission. General admission. So you're down on the floor, so there's no assigned seating. So it is oh, first okay. come, first serve hmm. to get but as still. close to the stage as possible. Did anyone mm-hmm. let them know this is all in a movie? <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> 
really good view in that it's a movie three-hour theater. Movie, it's really good. They could yeah. see it in like 8K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, I don't need to go to outer space. I, there's enough footage. <laughs> right. I can lean on that. Kenny, what else do you have? Looking for something to do with your leftover Halloween pumpkins this year? I am, Ken. <laughs> what, uh, what is it that we can do? TJ, you have a massive pumpkin in your living room. I saw it when I was there a couple weeks ago, and you can possibly benefit from this. Yeah, well, thank goodness for the news. <laughs> Tell me, what can we do with those pumpkins, Ken? Well, here's a hack for you, TJ, from some British car experts. They say it works as a great defroster for your windshield oh. of your car. If you live in a colder environment, this could be helpful. You know what else is helpful? You go to a hardware store, you get a big bottle of chemical. It's that blue stuff. And you pour it all over your windshield like a monster. Ice goes away in two seconds. It's called a de-icer. Have you heard of that? Chemicals? You're down with chemicals? Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised by that. Because it's easier. It's easier than a cutting. I mean, how do you get a pumpkin this to cover natural. your windshield? It's organic, TJ. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> what? What do you? You just put it on top of their car and it magically keeps the frost away? <laughs> how does that work? No. So the secret lies in the starch found in pumpkins. You need to chop up the pumpkin and rub the inner layer on your windshield for fast defrosting. The starch acts as a barrier between. Between the ice and the glass, preventing it from refreezing quickly, it makes it easier for you to scrape it off. Oh, how about that? So almost cut it up, almost like little bars of soap, and then you rub it on. Sure. Oh, okay, really, that'll work. It's fun. That's a really good idea. Can you put it on the window the night before? This way, the ice doesn't accumulate overnight. It didn't get into that Since part, Jay. Create a barrier, but it makes that makes sense to me. I thought the same thing that you did. If you did it the night before, I think it might make it a little better for you the morning of. This better not be a TikTok prank that you fell for. No, no, I got this from the Mirror in this the man UK. Is reading an article okay. coming right. from British car experts. That's fine. All good. I'm willing to try it. I got a. You're right. I do have a big pumpkin. And I don't know what to do with it's it. It's massive. But... Bro, you can make a pumpkin pie. So many things you can do with that pumpkin. <laughs> well, tomorrow is Smashing Pumpkins Day or something like that. The first Saturday after Halloween is a holiday oh, cool. where people are encouraged to smash up their pumpkins and whatnot. And I remember you said the other day that you wanted to do pumpkin pitching and you wanted to borrow my baseball bat. Are we still going to do that? Well, can you throw a 40-pound pumpkin? Ooh. I'll try. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's if you're down boy. for it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, if, uh, maybe we could film that and sure, I'd be <laughs> That'd be cool. That. Let's do that. Kenny, what else do you have? The New York Times did an investigation into the free iPhone promotions that are offered by most wireless providers. I'm sure you've seen the commercials, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, they all offer it saying you can get a free iPhone 15 Pro on us if you sign up for a plan. Let me guess. Not the best idea? Well, I mean, it's it, it goes back and forth, I think, a little bit. But the reporter here dove into this and actually did the math for everybody. So usually the phone costs about $1,000. To get a free one from one of the providers, you need to trade in your old phone and sign up for a top-tier plan. So the New York Times reporter tested this out, trading in an iPhone 12. For Verizon, it would cost you $3,240 for the required 36 months plan. And that is $300 more than buying the iPhone outright with a cheaper plan from mm. Verizon. Ooh, crunching numbers. It's worth it, right? 
Yeah, T-Mobile, it's about $160 more expensive for the free iPhone plan. It appears AT&T has the best deal, only $40 more than doing a traditional trade-in and buying a cheaper plan with the phone outright. They're spiking a football in their board meeting right now (laughs) because they look like the nicest (laughs) guys on the block. I feel like this uh, New York, was it New York Times you said? It's the New York Times that did this Yeah, the reporter has a part-time gig at AT (laughs) AT&T. Maybe. I don't know. Kenny, what else do you have? We've heard it for a million years. Doctors recommend that people get at least seven hours of sleep each night. But then why do we need to say it again? Because I have still not getting it. <laughs> people aren't. That's true. There are a lot of people who are dragging every day, including so myself. You can't say it enough. It's easier said than done. And one doctor is saying that we should maybe follow the ten three two one zero sleep method to get that. Seven hours sleep. I have a feeling this is going to put me to sleep. Is this part of the test? Uh-huh. This, this sounds like math. I don't like math. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, what is it? It's pretty simple. They say you should finish consuming any caffeine about 10 hours before bedtime. Oh. Okay. I do that. That's a problem. So that's 10. Yeah, TJ. The three is finish eating big meals or drinking alcohol Three hours before bedtime. Uh, oh, but I that's love a problem for me. loading up on chips and salsa right before mm. I fall asleep. <laughs> the two, spend the last two hours before bedtime relaxing your brain, writing down all your tasks for the next day to give your brain a mental rest. They say you should wind down How do you do for that two hours. With all this information getting shot at us every single day. I literally leave my work desk and then go to my pillow. Like I <laughs> don't even, what? Shut down what? The one, one hour before bed, reduce electronics. Get rid of that blue light. It affects your natural sleep cycle. Mm. All good stuff. And I agree that when I do these things, I absolutely feel better. And so if we're, if we're looking for it, more rest, which I think all of us could use, right? Yes. There's a place to get started. I think that's a great list. Yeah, the final number zero, the amount of times you'll hit the snooze button if you follow all of the ah. Uh, maybe methods. I should follow those Clever. rules then. That's clever. (laughs) Kenny, what else do you have? The United States Air Force and the U.S. Space Force have raised the age limit for new enlisted and officer recruits. You now can be up to 42 years old to enlist in these military branches. Okay. So if you had that dream and you thought you couldn't do it and you still got some time, you can do it now? Yeah, it seems like a pretty interesting deal, right, to be in the military. I mean, your husband knows. He's been in it for how many years? He has six more years left of 20, so 14 years. And once you hit 20, you can retire, right? You can. Some people stay a little longer, but you can retire at 20, 20 years of service. See, I didn't know any of that when I was growing up. I was just afraid, which is embarrassing. But like, I just thought, oh, military means fighting. and Which it doesn't. I never even thought beyond like, oh, no, there's a lot of jobs within the walls of the military, and they're all so important. And it's an interesting deal. I mean, I I didn't know you would retire after 20 years if you wanted to. And then you can still work and have other jobs if you wanted to. Pretty interesting. Well, from from my understanding of the military, it kind of works the way – civilian world works like you and I we go you know we work our jobs so if you're doing HR you do HR in the military if you're a chef you can be a chef in the military if you're a nurse you can be a nurse in the military it's not just going to war to battle or the or the front lines yeah I, I've been interested in this discussion I think I learned that from you actually we mm-hmm. were just catching up one day I was like yeah. really that's how it works right <laughs> and man is there ever a time we need a military 
Yes. Hello. I mean, I guess we've always, we've always needed we've always a military. Needed one, yeah. But uh, you see these stores, and you're like, well, I'm so glad for the men and women who are serving our country because Definitely. I don't think they would want me. I mean, if I did want to get involved <laughs> at this point, they'd be like, yeah, why don't you sit this one out? No, they put you in communications. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. They have a place for you. It could be yeah. like Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, yeah. There there you host go. a radio show on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Kenny, what else do you have? Gen Z appears to not be about the big city life. They are yearning for the simple life and moving to the Great Plains and Mountain West in droves, it appears. According to a recent study, Gen Z made up the biggest percentages of people moving to South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho, Iowa, and Kansas, just to name a few. There's something great about simplifying our lives. because. It's funny, you mentioned that story a couple days ago. We were talking about how much money some of these huge CEOs and these multi-million oh, yeah, billionaires... Oh, that story upset me. <laughs> yeah, how much they spend on security. It's like mm-hmm. you make all this money and then you're afraid. You can't even move without looking over your shoulder. And so there's something about a simple life that is really peaceful. Well, they're afraid because they keep having that data breach and selling our um, our information. That's why they're afraid of people. A lot people. of people are mad, right? <laughs> right, exactly. No, it's, it's wild. So I, I like that story. Yeah, it appears Gen Z is definitely inspired by the lower cost of living in some of these places, in contrast to millennials who are more likely to move to big cities like San Francisco, New York, or Los Angeles. What else you got, Kenny? After 59 years in business, the popular outdoor apparel brand Eddie Bauer is getting a logo makeover. Why is this news? It is news... Because they're bringing back the goose. Now, Eddie Bauer had the first patent in the United States for a goose down jacket. Mm. So they're bringing back their roots to the goose. But more importantly, they're changing the typeface on how Eddie Bauer is spelled on the logo. It used to be written in cursive. And now it will be block print. They're trying to reach younger generations. And according to the CEO, they... Don't even teach cursive in school anymore, so they're afraid that the cursive writing will confuse younger potential customers. Because Eddie Bauer was in cursive, but you can make out what it said, and I'm sure you can still read it, even if you don't write cursive. My daughter is learning cursive. She's eight. She knows how to write in cursive and is fascinated by it. What are we? Are we getting to a point where we can only read like one standard letter? I don't know, but I've I've heard it's good to know that your daughter's learning cursive, but I've heard from other parents that they don't teach that in school anymore. And well, we've also found actually Cameron Guy Josh is a teacher. You found that in a lot of classes that you were in, kids didn't know how to read or write. They would just speak into their phone what they wanted to say in a text or whatever it was, right? Right. Maybe let's focus on that. I mean, they're barely teaching reading, let alone cursive. Oh, man. My, my daughter sends messages to her friends by talking into the phone, and I go, oh, no, no, no. If you want to use mama's phone, you got to type it out. And mm-hmm. so she'll type out the words now because this is – it gets so easy and convenient, you become dependent on it. Yeah. I'm guilty. I've done that sometimes. If I'm texting and I'm like, how do you spell hippopotamus? Yeah. I'm like, let me go ahead and just speak it out. Yeah, but you know you know how to do it and you know how to get there. And now they've even got spelling tests on the computer. So no. you can think about the problems there. Man, I wish I had autocorrect during my spelling test. That would be <laughs> amazing. On. I'd be an ace across the board. <laughs> Kenny, what else do you have? A Florida driver was issued a citation by the sheriff's department for his truck. He, I guess, thought this was funny. He labeled his truck, painted his truck, Booty Patrol Agency. Okay. All right. And it looks too similar to the Border Patrol Agency vehicles. It's oh. the same logo. Oh, so now we got problems. Well, I'm assuming. That, doesn't that sound 
so, or feel sort of creepy? Do you want a, a patrol truck looking for that Boy in your neighborhood? Patrol, I'm going to make sure I perk up when I walk by. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Look this way. No, no. No, no Chipo. <laughs> I'm I, kidding. I think it, uh, they should probably take that off the road, right? Yeah, exactly. So there is a Florida law that would ban vehicles from having red and blue lights that too closely resemble a law enforcement vehicle. The same goes for logos as well. So this looks too much like an official logo, but it's the booty patrol agency, not the border patrol Now, agency. if it's patrolling dads and uncles after dinner and what happens, then I'm all for it. They, they should have alert lights on for that, but not not for what I'm thinking they're going for. Well, dads yeah. and uncles should get a citation for something yes, like that. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You should be cited. It's been unspoken for a very long time. Kenny, what else do you have? In Georgia, a man appears to have set the Guinness World Record for sweet potato harvest from a single plant. He appears to have grown 186 pounds of sweet potato. Look at that. Give me, I'll, I'll take at least four of them. I love four pounds of potato in my belly. That's a that's like perfect because Thanksgiving is coming up. He can make some sweet yeah. potato pies with that. You I know? can't stop. I put cranberry on the sweet potato. I I uh, season my chicken with a slab. A sweet potato. Yeah, sweet potato. I put sweet potato on everything. It's like a it's like ketchup to me. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Kenny, thank you for keeping us somewhat informed. That's what's happening. 